Welcome to FEPS Talks, the podcast series of the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. Find out more about us on feps-europe.eu. Welcome to the new episode of FEPS Talks, where we are here for a very special brief. Uh, we are joined by Professor Andre Gambor, who uh, used to have the uh, Department of Politics and International Relations at the University of uh, Sheffield and was also the university's pro-chancellor, who has been known to many of you as Professor of Politics and Fellow at the Queen's College in Cambridge, Head of Polis, Editor of the New Political Economy and Political Quarterly, and for those of you who are, like myself, passionate think tankers, also from the Policy Network Advisory Board and from many publications that he realized for Policy Network and for the broader European Progressive Network of Think Tanks. Professor Gamble, it is a privilege to have you with us. It's very good to be with you. We have taken ambitious uh, topic today uh, because as the year is coming towards its end and Social Democrats are celebrating lots that happened this year, we of course have to also look back with a critical attitude uh, to assess the situation where we are. And one of the challenges that we know our movement is facing, and not only our movement worldwide, is the question of state and quality of democracy, what can be done to preserve it and to boost it uh, both in Europe and in the national member states. And of course, not only inside of the European Union, but also in the states surrounding the EU as a project. You've been working quite a lot on the century jubilee of uh, what you call the UK's democracy, 100 years of experience. So maybe we could kick off start uh, from this uh, question, what is the 100 years of uh, the democracy that everybody admires uh, for its so many different inventions in the UK? What are we learning uh, from uh, looking back uh, at the 100 years and at the experience that you yourself called uncompleted yet a revolution? Well, I think what we learn most from that experience is uh, how unfinished democracy is and how it's uh, it's never a finished state. It's always a uh, It's always a process. It's always a living process, something that uh, uh, we have to work very hard to maintain what's been achieved and to always be alert to the challenges and new dangers that, that threaten our democracies. I think the, the, the lesson from history is that we have to be always vigilant. We can never just think we've reached a settled place where the achievements of the past are impregnable. Um, we're always in danger of slipping back. And I think we've seen that in so many countries uh, in recent years that uh, in even some of the democracies which we've assumed to be the most stable and most solid, suddenly developments have happened which have put so many of the gains at risk. When we talk about challenges precisely, because uh, you've described uh, democracy as a process where we have a certain idea in mind, but it's never free of uh, detours. It's never free of uh, necessity to respond to the, you know, modernization evolution. So what would you say the biggest dangers are? Because there are so many of them. So as yeah. a social democrat, what do you focus on uh, these days when you want to fight for democracy? Well, I think uh, what we see is a number of challenges to what we may call liberal democracy. So these are challenges about process, about the rule of law, about citizens' rights, the basic fabric of our of, of our democracies. 
Um, we've seen a number of challenges in recent years and a number of political forces which are trying to change the balance of our democracies. And then I think the other challenge, though, is uh, social democracy, that uh, there are so many ways. I mean, a, a proper democracy is, is only one in which addresses the key issues to do with poverty and inequality and opportunity for all citizens. And this requires a degree of, of state involvement and, and public engagement and active citizenship, which is never sufficient. I mean, I think that's what we learn. And, and, and there, is, there is always so much more to do. And when we look at our democracies and see the extent to which they're still riven by inequalities of, of power and wealth and gender and race. There is so much more to be done. And these challenges, we, we're suddenly alerted to them in new ways. Something like the Black Lives Matter movement, for instance, suddenly highlights issues which we hadn't been paying sufficient attention to. We'd known about, we know about these things, but it takes um, active engagement to actually think through them and think about what more we need to be doing in order to make our democracies better and more inclusive and open to all our citizens. But while that remains a goal, uh, you yourself, uh, and I uh, you know, have to quote you, I mean, I have been reading, uh, been very, very engaged reader of your work. You've been writing about one very big challenge, which is the fact that the uh, neoliberalism still remains uh, incredibly uh, resilient, still remains the philosophy in place. So how can you actually uh, stand up for what you say, equal opportunities, fairness, um, the um, access uh, to uh, social security, when neoliberalism is still effectively surviving yet another crisis as a philosophy in making in politics? Well, I think that is one of our biggest challenges. And, and I think social democrats have often thought in recent years, particularly in the years since the, uh, the financial crash in 2008, that uh, neoliberalism was on borrowed time and that uh, there was going to be a swing back to uh, social democratic ideas and policies. And that's happened in one or two areas, but it overall, we've been disappointed. And neoliberalism is still embedded in uh, as an approach in so many ways in our governments and institutions. But I think actually the The COVID pandemic uh, gives us some hope that a corner is being turned and that there is a new appreciation of the importance of government action and of addressing some of the deep inequalities that have grown up in the neoliberal era. I mean, I think, you know, across Europe, The position has been worse in some countries than in others, the impact of, of neoliberalism. Some countries have managed to preserve a much stronger social democracy than other countries. But I think that neoliberalism has taken its toll on social democracy, and in particular because it's led to a, the power of international companies in particular, which has often uh, ceased to be accountable to uh, national governments. And that's one of the biggest problems that social democrats face is that uh, Tony Wright in, in the UK um, expressed it in our, in our book um, on 100 years of 
British democracy that the uh, rethinking the democratic challenges. He said that the uh, the problem is we we have more and more institutions which are unaccountable and uh, governments. We've had an explosion of accountability and the need accountable, but governments are actually accountable for less and less. And that has caused or helped to cause a disconnect between citizens and their governments. This is a deep problem for social democrats, because if social democrats are not trusted any longer, and and if, if people, if citizens come to believe that social democrats, even when they're in government, they can't actually affect change and they can't deliver for citizens, then we've got a real problem. And, and we see that, the, the, the disconnect between some of the traditional social democratic electorates and social democratic parties in many countries across Europe, that's been one of our most serious problems. So although there's been huge discontent at some of the effects of neoliberal policies, it hasn't always been social democrats that have benefited. And social democrats have been seen too often as part of the problem, as part of the same remote political class, not actually delivering for citizens. So these are the very deep problem which we're facing. Um, we do urgently need to find some ways uh, to address them. But when we discuss uh, this question of uh, disconnect, of course, it's uh, impossible not to look at that uh, from the perspective of social democrats themselves, uh, looking for where they want to be and what kind of movement they would uh, prefer to see themselves like. I think it was two or three years ago when you wrote a pamphlet about the open left that was still before the pandemic times, uh, when open had totally different meanings, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, When uh, you also argued, uh, and we talked about that a couple of minutes uh, before, how much of the positive uniting force the centre-left should be. Um, At the same time, I think, uh, you know, this is indeed a crucial point. This is a very different crisis than before. People are turning to the idea of state. I mean, the new German government coalition has the first chapter robustly talking about uh, how the modern state should look like. But at the same time, it isn't by default, really, that, uh, you know, we are the ones associated with its particular understanding as a welfare state, right? Not anymore. Yes, I I think we have to be very imaginative. I mean, the the world is changing in so many different ways. I mean, the whole digital revolution is changing the nature of our politics and is is posing huge challenges for how how we think about democracy and how we do democracy. The democratic practices which I grew up with, I mean, many of them are long gone. And the the different sorts of communication, it's vital that uh, social democrats don't just throw up their hands in horror at these developments, but find positive ways to deal with them. And I think it's the same with with the welfare state, that, uh, again, we can't just think that the, the way forward is to go back to the past. We need to celebrate the achievements of the past, but we need to find new ways of of making what what is valuable about the past, make it work in the present. That's always challenging because it's always easier to just go back to the past and think, you know, uh, let's just restore what we had. But the world doesn't stay still. And there are always very new circumstances. And and what people want from their governments and want from their welfare states, um, they do change. But of course, some, some things don't change. And one of them is the basic belief of social democrats in solidarity, for instance, I mean, that, has, that is still a fundamental value 
And, and, and we've seen that it, through the pandemic, that actually the coming together of communities and the, the solidarity which citizens have shown to one another has been a very important value. Now, it's been challenged, as we know, in several countries by those who have attacked the policies uh, that governments have. But that has been, fortunately, uh, in all countries, I think, across Europe, a minority that have... Uh, that have wanted to dissent. And it's our, I think it's the task of social democracy to show how a solidaristic response to a major challenge like COVID can actually be the, the catalyst for thinking about how we develop solidarity in other areas too. And it's going to be tremendously important, in my view, in the, the coming challenge of uh, of climate change and the climate emergency. The social democratic values are going to be critical here if we're to have any hope of meeting this challenge. And this is a challenge which, um, I mean, COVID has been bad enough, but the climate emergency dwarfs that a huge amount. So this, I think, is what um, social democrats need to do. I mean, the, 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 some of the traditional values of social democracy um, still have enormous relevance, but we have to reinterpret them and we have to be alert and agile. And we have to think all the time about how can we work at different level? We need, if we're to have any chance of dealing with the problems that we face in this century. We need international cooperation. We need multilateralism. We need the great the network of institutions which have been built up. But on the other hand, if we just focus on those, that's a huge trap because we can then fall into the mistake of neglecting uh, localities and what citizens are wanting at a very um, local level. And that's the, that's the point at which citizens can become disconnected from the political class and including from social democrats. So we have to have a politics which is both, and this is the, I think this is a really difficult thing for modern social democracy, but we have to have a politics which is rooted in international cooperation and multilateralism but is also rooted in localities, in, in, in the politics of place and identity. We can't leave the politics of place and identity to the xenophobic populist right. And that social democrats have to do both. And I know just how difficult that is. I mean, that this is this is a, a huge challenge because, you know, in some ways it's much easier just to to deal at the at the international and global level and think that the local level will just look after itself, but it won't. And we've seen over the last 10 years in particular that the, the huge dangers we face if we lose that connection with local communities, with our citizens. So this is not, it's not a unique set of challenges. In, in a way, these challenges have always existed. But in the past, social democrats were able to sort of assume that they had a solid base, they had a solid foundation, um, the loyalty of particular groups in the population could be relied on. And, and I think what, what we have to say in this modern, very uh, fluid world of digital communication, this isn't true. We, we have to work for the support of all groups. We can't assume, we can't, there, there are no guarantees any longer about the identification of particular groups with a particular political party or political movement. Um, so these are the challenges, yes.
it's incredibly interesting because on one hand, as you say, uh, there is this uh, instinctive, uh, humane kind of uh, action. Uh, you know, people help each other. Uh, yeah. They walk the dog of uh, the elderly citizen who cannot go out because of COVID. Uh, they make shopping. They do this very ordinary tasks that uh, in the times of pandemic are simply heroic because they sustain each other. They support each other. Um, they even call on one another just to check how people are, which yeah. in the time of uh, solitude is of a great importance. Uh, but we've also seen in the past that, that those instincts, as powerful as they are, uh, they not always translate into um, long-lasting support for the uh, solidaristic agenda. What I'm uh, hinting at is, for example, migration crisis. I mean, you've seen people rushing to Caletti Station or to the Munich airport with blankets, food, uh, whatever uh, has been needed. But that did not translate into this uh, massive support for the different migration policies. I mean, everybody was uh, saying that what's happening is appalling. It's not humanitarian, but nevertheless, it wasn't yet policy drive. And where uh, I'm sort of trying to hint with the next question about is how we indeed take the citizens and how it do take those instincts forward. I mean, yes and yes, we've all been writing about uh, uh, individualization of society, fragmentation and so on. COVID once again proves that there can be shift. It's not impossible. Uh, things can turn into more of respect, solidarity, togetherness, if you want. But at the same time, it seems that political class is not really clear what to do with those instincts, how to channel them and how to use them when it comes to listening to the citizens. Now, I mean, this weekend is the conference on the future of Europe. One of the big elephants in the room is uh, the question, we've asked citizens what they think, but we don't exactly know what to do when they tell us what they think. So social Democrats, having become this, as you mentioned before, establishment party, close-ranked parties, uh, how do we open up? How do we do it in a credible manner that citizens really feel that they are that the concerns are taken into consideration and solidarity is not taken for granted. Yes, and, and you put your finger on, on what I think is the uh, perhaps the hardest issue for, for social democrats because I, I think it, it needs a, a great deal of, of humility on all our, our parts, actually, to, uh, to start really listening again to citizens and really engaging. And we've, uh, over the years, we've lost that facility. I mean, I think in the past, there were institutions like uh, trade unions and so on, which were uh, much more important in social democracy and which provided conduits of uh, information and exchange of views and, and gave a, a solidity to social democratic movements. And I think some of that has been lost. Some of those institutions are much weaker than they were, and they no longer provide that kind of uh, connection. And, and you can see for all the reasons that why social democratic parties have become more disconnected, it, 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 it's part of, of the way that the whole, the whole complexity of modern life has developed. But I think it means it's that, uh, I, I think the biggest problem we have is the taking for granted of former supporters and, and getting, I think, getting back into touch with them and with local communities. This is very hard. This is very difficult. I, I don't think there's any there's any easy answer, but I think that the first step is always to recognize what the problem is and then to find new ways of connection. And I think one of the positive things about the democratic tradition is that, I mean, democracy 
at its best is always it's a great leveler and it's it's basically saying actually you know nobody is superior here and we listen to one another and we we in order to do that we constantly need to forge new institutions new ways of working together and i think that's the hope that we can be creative and imaginative enough to start thinking about new ways again we you know we can't just breathe life into back into some of the old institutions which which, which are no longer there they often they no longer correspond to the way people are living their lives now but we have to i think that's the real challenge for social democrats and and the it's too easy for the leadership of social democratic parties to become um its own sort of echo chamber you know in, in which we we are we talk to one another and we we're you know we we we're then seen from the outside as a as just another political elite which and and we have you know very interesting conversations but are we actually reaching outwards um and i i think you know if you look back to the the origins of of the early social democratic movements i mean what was so powerful about them was that they were movements of ideas but they were also movements based on identity um i mean it's, so it's not true that you know the politics of identity has just been discovered by the xenophobic right i mean it, there was always a very strong politics of identity in place in our labor movements and our social democratic movements across europe um if we've lost some of that that's what we need to regain we need to rethink what a, a contemporary social democratic movement should be and and i i think you're absolutely right i think the the pandemic did give us a glimpse of you know what of what is possible but as you say you know we mustn't mustn't uh, be deluded about it there are limits to it and always the the risks of solidarity can be exclusionary so you can have solidarity but it's solidarity for the group and people that are not in the group are excluded and that's why solidarity isn't enough on its own you also we also need constantly to think about equality and also freedom because only then do we get a pro- a full conception of human rights and 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 the human rights that we as a movement uh, as a pro- 